Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Schmelk, Detino, you, 201-939-4513. That's how you call us and get in touch. Or on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. It's all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. I'm finally getting over my cold from the Senior Bowl. You can still hear my voice a little bit. <laughs> and you know what's funny? The first year Dan and I went back in 2018, we went back and we said, you know what? We didn't dress nearly warm enough. We showed back up again this year, and you know what I said walking away? I still didn't dress nearly warm enough. I need to bring the winter hat and gloves next time. I, I, I brought the heavier coat, but I did not bring the winter hat and gloves, and I think I need to do that next year. It was cold. It's like 50 degrees. It's windy. You're up in metal bleachers in the stands. It was rainy. It's re You don't think Alabama is unpleasant. It was unpleasant. Well, how about the poor crew that we sent down to Orlando to the Pro Bowl? Oh, I feel real bad for those guys. They got rained on. Oh, did they really? On it's, like, it's like 80 degrees. No, 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 no. The Pro Bowl was like 50, and it rained all day. And after having four home games where we got rained on this past season, I'm sure Michael Beckton wasn't thrilled. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure he wasn't. <laughs> I am sure also that half that crew, though, Dan, probably got to hide indoors during the game, right? But Beckton was probably stuck on the field. He was on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure he wasn't happy about Indeed. it. Indeed. Um, anyway, so I'm sure you and Lance kind of talked about the, the senior ball a little bit yesterday. Yeah. Um, I'll give you my, my basic takeaways. I don't think, generally speaking, it was as strong of a group this year as it was last year. Last year, I walked away thinking, yeah, I could see a, a handful of first-round prospects here. Maybe two or three in this year's class, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to get much more than that. Maybe four. And I don't know. Nobody, like last year watching, I had a couple of like wow moments. I didn't have many wow moments watching the guys during the week this year. I don't know. I, I just, none of the guys like came out and seemed particularly dominant. Like I walked away last year. I'm like, boy, Isaiah Wynn and Will Hernandez, they dominated the competition there. I didn't right. get that feeling from anyone this year. Well, John, I think part of that issue, as you as you have laid out, wasn't just that the senior class may have been a tad weaker than in the past, but also it seems to me a lot of juniors are going to be creeping into that first round this year. I shouldn't say creeping. They're sprinting well, into that first it's round. It's like that every year, though. Worse than usual. I mean, for example, uh, one of the guys I talked to said to me 10 of the top 12 wide receivers are juniors. Yeah, same, same for running backs, by the way. So, I mean – automatically you knew that those guys couldn't go to those games. And tight ends the same way. Like the top six or seven tight end prospects are all juniors. And all these top-notch pass. Because, folks, do you know this is how it works. At a lot of the premium positions, especially the skill positions like running back, wide receiver, then you throw in defensive end, you throw in cornerback, and even throw in pass rusher to a certain extent. If these guys are already out of the junior year, they're coming out because they know they're going to get picked in the first round. Take the money. So they're not going to hang around. That's why you get a lot of interior linemen on both sides in the Senior Bowl. Uh, you'll get some quarterbacks. You'll get some guys that, you know, think it was better for them to stay in another year than maybe late risers that weren't dominant as juniors but came into their own as seniors. So that's kind of how you get naturally limited by the types of players you have at the Senior Bowl. Take that a step further, John, because the Senior Bowl is the class of the college all-star games. Right. So if that was watered down, I watched the Shrine game the week before. That was significantly watered down. And the NFLPA Bowl, which is the third level of the college all-star games, oh my goodness, there was just not much there. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you guys read my stuff during the week, you know kind of my general thoughts about everything. Uh, I'll kind of run them down for you real quick, specifically on players. And Paul, I want to get your general take too, because I didn't hear the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. I took off. Um, the quarterbacks to me were fine. Uh Frankly, I thought Daniel Jones was a little bit disappointing over the course of the week. I thought he was more inconsistent with his ball placement than I thought. Of the guys there, I thought Drew Locke looked the best. Now, I'm not sure if he was consistent enough in his college tape to, to get picked ahead of Jones, but I think based on tools and what I saw this week, I think Locke looks like the better prospect. But again, the most important thing is what they did during the regular season, and I think Jones outperformed him there. I'll have to look more. But uh, if I had to guess right now, I think Locke gets picked ahead of Jones because of his raw tools uh, this year. I thought there were a lot of good interior defensive linemen that would be good players on first and second down against the run. Uh, Greg Gaines was one of them. Uh, Dalen Mack was another guy that I thought looked really good inside. You didn't have that many. Uh, to me, what got me the most, Paul, and frankly disappointed me the most. Okay. I thought the pass rush class was going to be really good at the Senior Bowl. Mm -hmm. Didn't do it for me. You know, a couple guys like, you know, uh, 
Collier from Texas Christian. LJ Collier, I thought was a guy I was not looking for going in at 6'4", 276. He looked like a guy that could play strong side defensive and a three technique. He was very active rushing the passer. But Jalen Ferguson didn't do anything for me. Uh, he got a sack in the game, but it was more of a covered sack power move. Uh, the Yoshin Zimenez kid from Old Dominion didn't do much for me. Montez Sweat was fine, but to me, he didn't wow me either. He's got length and he's got some power, but I didn't see a variety of moves from him either. I thought it would be a much better pass rush class, and I was a little disappointed that those guys weren't a little bit more dominant and consistent over the course of the week. Well, again, I think you have some juniors who are going to be at the top of that class as well. Yeah, but I thought those were three potential, you know, first, second-round guys, and I didn't see that from them, unfortunately. I, I like Sweat because his measurables are there and his power's there, and he certainly showed that, and and we know we know that, you know, moves can be taught. Oh, yeah, and he's 6'6". He's got 35-inch exactly. arms. You know, he's going to be a first-round pick, and he should be, but I thought if he was dominant this week, he could have pushed into the top 15. I didn't see that. I agree. And and from what I watched on television, the NFL Network coverage all week and then the game, yep. I didn't see that either. Lance and I debated yesterday about Ferguson. He was talking about, you know, the guy with the NCAA sack lead, and he was, like, really in love with this guy. I didn't see it from what I watched on television. He looked very robotic and mechanical to me. I didn't see the explosion and the quickness and the athleticism that I wanted to see. When I talked to him on Tuesday, and we talked to him one-on-one -on -one at the podium, me and uh, Dan and I were there talking to him, and he said the one thing I want to show the um, scouts this week was my ability to get around the edge with burst, bend, and get to the quarterback. I didn't Where see was him, it? I didn't see him do that once. No, seriously, I don't know if he has. Look, there's a reason he went to Louisiana Tech. If he had super physical tools, he wouldn't have been at Louisiana Tech, right? So my guess is that he doesn't have that natural bend, natural get-around-the-edge type of pass rush ability uh, to be a first-round player. To me, and again, I'll have to look at the tape more. I only watched two games of a lot of the big guys in this game heading in. Uh, I liked O'Shane Zimenez off the tape better than I liked Ferguson. Mm -hmm. uh, Zimenez did less than Ferguson did during the week. He, he, was, he came in light at 240. I think I told you guys on the phone that's because he stopped eating Taco right. Bell three times a day. <laughs> Maybe he needs to get back on that uh, on those uh, enchiladas oh. because he, he did not look great. Uh, a couple of the offensive linemen looked okay. If you want a Kareem McKenzie-like mauler at right tackle, mm -hmm. I got a guy for you. Yep. Well, I already talked about Dalton Reisner. I just don't think he's going to be a tackle. I think he's going to move inside. And that's the problem because you talked us about him, and I watched him carefully. John, he looks he, like a guard, right? He does. He he, But he's, again, a Richie Seibert type. Yep. He's a pit bull. Yeah. He's oh, got no, a lot of oregano it. and a lot of fire in him, and he's oh, a Will Hernandez, you know, Richie Seibert type. But he's not going to be a tackle, even though he did some of that in college. And Chris Lindstrom's another guy from Boston College who had We're some good. nasty in him. He's another Look, guard. More like a Chris Snee. Right. So the, the guy that I liked for you at right tackle, mm -hmm. and again— I'm not sure he's got the feet for it because, like we've talked about, it's not like you can stick a guy with big feet out of right tackle now Go ahead. and he's just going to be fine. I'm trying to find uh, the, the name here so I get it right. Go ahead. Um, there it is. Drew, uh, no, Drew Sample is the tight end. I'm looking, well, I thought he was 72. I don't see him here, though, for some reason. Where is he? There you go. Caleb McGarry, 6'6", mm -hmm. 310. Um, he is a big, tall, long guy. That will move you and maul you. I just don't know if he has the feet to stay at right tackle in the NFL. If this was 10 years ago or 15 years ago, he's your right tackle. But I don't know if he could do it anymore with all these big-time pass rushers playing over the right tackle. Now. There, there were two concerns for me with him because you're right, John. I did look at him and I said, okay, that guy intrigues me. The, and different measurements on him. I think, uh, bless you, yesterday Lance said he saw a listing where he was 6'8". I had a listing where he was six seven. You have a six six here on the on the Reese Bowl. I don't. Bowl I don't roster. believe this Senior Bowl roster has the weigh in from. Right, this was unofficial. I think this is unofficial before the weigh in happened. So here's the issue: if you look at his body type, he is not as wide. They have it six eight here. Six eight three twenty four. Okay. So all right now for six eight, the three twenty four is rather lean. So he has to me. He's got some leverage issues against speed rushers who are then going to bend and hit him off that corner. Sure, absolutely. That And that's uh -huh. that's the issue that I have right now because I love him in the run game, okay, and and I'm concerned about the speed rush off the edge with the guys who are going to be fast and bendable. 
The other thing that troubled me is he's battled heart ailments throughout his career. Well, I wasn't aware of that. And yeah, well, okay. because he played. He didn't miss time. But they medicated him and took care of the heart ailments. But that's something that you need to go to your medical staff with and say, hey, fellas, what do you think about this? Is it a red flag for us? And will we downgrade him for that? Yeah. A couple other guys, Paul. Uh, Sutton Smith, mm-hmm. I think, is an interesting prospect. But he he got he had like 17 sacks last mm-hmm. year for Northern Illinois. But he's just 6'1", 230. So I don't know <laughs> if he is, is, is going to be able, what his position is going to be at the pro level. I don't know how that's going to work for him necessarily. Um, I got a guy I need to ask you about. Yeah, please. What do you got? Andre Dillard. That they're saying that he he was a left tackle in school, and he he's, has he has the feet to play. It. Moose of a guy, okay. Moose of a guy. He's big. He's wide. He's thick. He's not a mauler though. But he's not. He's not a pit bull. No, you're absolutely not. right. Remember, he's not a mauler. I talked to him. He didn't play in the three point stance in college once. And so Mike Leach. My concern ball, was so. how much of him did you see during the week because. He's a guy whose frame intrigues me. Played at a big-time program, obviously. Now, what are they listing him out here? They got him on this sheet at 6'5", 310. And, you know, obviously, when you look at him, you say, hey, this is a massive dude. But then he doesn't play with that anger. He's the only potential left tackle prospect I saw during the week. But I think they want him to be right tackle because they worked him out at right tackle this week, didn't they? Uh, he was a left tackle from what I could see most of the time. The kid out of Washington State, Dillard, right? Yeah, yeah and, he, and he, was, he was a left tackle during practice. They didn't give him any tackle, right snap tackle, right tackle snaps? Not that I recall. Okay. Because to me, I'd be intrigued, but I don't know if he's got the, the uh, fire and the pit bull mentality and, like you said, the mauling mentality. With that kind of physique, he should have it. And I would love to try him over there. He he will he will be a late first round, early second round pick because of the frame, because of the 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 feet and those sorts of things and his and his measurables. Um, you I saw, saw him as passive though. I don't see him as a you know knock your teeth out type of mauling offensive line. No, that. but you know what though, you don't need that left tackle. And you know what the Giants don't. They have Knight Silver there anyway, so they don't need that. Yeah, but that. If, if they were to draft him, I would not. Dra- right I would side, not draft him to play right. You don't tackle. like the conversion for I what you not. saw. Okay, not. well then that's that's what Especially I'm asking. Especially if you want a right tackle that you want to be really good in the run game, that I would not pick him. My right tackle has to have grit. Well, then I'm then I don't think he's your guy. Okay, I like McGarry better, but again, I'm concerned about the the, the speed rush and the bending. Right. So am I. I'm concerned right. about that too. Uh, a couple wide receivers that I liked uh, the two small guys. Uh, that that played pretty well during the week. Andy Isabella, the wide receiver out of UMass, was one. Lance liked him. <laughs> Shocking. And I'm sure the other guy that, that he liked was the kid out of Georgia State. Well, I'm trying to find his name. Uh, Penny Hart um, is a guy that also, frankly, nobody could cover him over the course of the, of the week, Paul. Um, he was really, really good, but he's only 5'8", and he's super quick. Taylor Gabriel was a comp that I heard while I was out there, which I thought was a good one. And that kid can run, get out of his breaks. 5'8", 180 out of Georgia State. He's on the North roster, Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, he could get out of his breaks. He was good. Um, really, really good-looking player. Um, the other wide receivers, uh, Debo Samuel was a guy that I thought played pretty well. Yeah, I thought he maybe was the best wide receiver there. Mm-hmm. Um I like Dawson Sills as the taller type receivers. He looked okay in the game. He did not jump out to be doing like Keelan Doss. I like as a taller guy, six three out of UC Davis. Okay. Good route runner. Yeah. Remind me of Cooper Cup a little bit. That Keelan Doss. I, I said that to Lance yesterday. Both of those guys reminded me of Cup. Um, it was one of the guys that I liked at wide receiver. Oh, the kid out of Ohio State. I don't know how Dan didn't lift up his arm and start yelling at me. Um, <laughs> McLaurin. And it, like we, we stopped by the weigh-in for just a couple minutes, which is right. like the weirdest, most awkward thing ever. McLaurin walks up there. I didn't know who he was at that point. It was the first day. I thought he was a linebacker. Really? He was jacked. What, what do they got him at? What do they have McLaurin out of Ohio State? Let me see. I'm finding his uh, stats here. But he showed up, and he walked up there. He was chiseled. He was very impressive. And as Dan was quick to point out to me, um, he came in at 6'1", 205. Oh, okay. But he was in one of the best gunners in all of college football last year. And he showed a lot of speed, rat running ability to separate. I love the kid's personality. I thought he was a good teammate out there. 
So he was another guy that I hmm. thought really helped himself during the week. None of the running backs jumped out to me. Um, nobody of note there. None of the tight ends jumped out to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I was excited about the battles up front, and I thought they were a little underwhelming, to be honest with you. That All was right. just me. Well, bottom line is uh, there will be a lot more testing and a lot more reviews at the Combine, which, of course, we will be out there uh, in Indianapolis in a month. In, in fact, it is coming up in a month, isn't it, John? Yeah, we will in a month. We will be in Indianapolis, absolutely. And we will hear a lot more scuttlebutt and have a lot more information about all of these guys in about a month. And that's when you can really start to hone in even more specifically because we got a lot of pro days coming up for these guys too. Yeah. And remember, the pro days are important because you got all those juniors now who think they're going to be first or second round picks who didn't go to these things. Yeah. And the pro days are going to be where they can get their 40 time and all that other stuff. Well, I don't have to combine, of course. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, I thought, was, was the best center there. If you're looking for a center, yeah. I think yep. he could be a second round pick. Or even a late first if you want to go that way. But I think he's another guy that to keep an eye on. Uh, that's for Len. All right. We got about 15 minutes or so before John Ledyard joins us from the Draft Network. He was out there at the Senior Bowl. I saw John. We talked for a couple minutes. We were both busy. Didn't have a chance to hang out much. But he will join us in about 15 minutes. So let's take your calls until then at 201-939-4513. Let's go. Sergeant Kennedy is down in Virginia. What's up, Sarge? Yes, how you doing, John and Paul? Hi. Uh, hope you, you you're getting better from that cold, John. I'm um, getting there. <laughs> I appreciate what you did for us uh, at the Senior Bowl. Um, just a couple of quick questions and Happy New Year to you. Um, do you know if we're gonna try for a defensive end, uh, Ferrer? I think he's out of uh, Clemson. Yeah, Clellan Farrell. Um, yeah, look, yeah, I, 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 I. Sarge, I think he's going to be in the mix. I think there are going to be so many edge rushers available when the Giants pick. They're going to be able to okay. pick the guy that best fits their system. Is it going to be a guy like him? Uh, does Josh Allen somehow drop down that far, which I would think he's not going to, but you never know. Um, it, you know, There are going to be a lot of different pass rushers available, and they're going to pick and choose based on the size and, and the build and what they want from the guy, and that's going to determine whether or not they pick him. But I think he's one of the guys that will certainly be in the mix in the conversation at number six. Yeah, I totally agree with John on that. And I'll tell you right now, he's definitely going to be one of the three guys that I will consider when I finally make my pick for them. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, because uh, my daughter actually knows his sister out of high school when they were in high school. Uh, so he's a local boy from Richmond, out of Richmond, St. Benedict High School, I think that's called. Um, and another quick question about real quick, um, please, you know, I hope we keep Eli, you know, as long as we can, you know, I'd say go a bit, a little bit defense offense, but just keep that charge that what we have this year and connect, you know, and well, from last year to this year, from the end of the season, you know, do what we have to do. And Barkley looked really good in the senior bowl playing defense also. <laughs> uh, that was funny to see that, but, um, you mean the Pro Bowl, and that wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing at all because I'm thinking to myself, the last thing in the world they need is for him to get hurt playing defensive line in the Pro Bowl. Wait, he he, he rushed the – again, guys, I told you last week, I don't watch a second of the Pro Bowl. Did oh, he yeah. play defense? Yes, yes. <laughs> Garrett put Kamara, Elliott, and Barkley along the defensive no way. line for several snaps. All right, that's funny. It's not funny. Yeah. It's, it's just dumb. Yeah, other than that, I, I'm glad he didn't get hurt, but you're right about that. Um, <laughs> but the last thing I was just saying is, is how is Gettleman doing? And um, I'm looking to see real quick uh, to try to get to the giants Redskins game. I'm closer there uh, compared to going back home to New York, uh, you know, in New Jersey area. But I uh, appreciate what all y'all do, and I'm um, going to cut off. And Happy New Year to everybody. Sarge, what and, branch and of the service are you from before you go? Oh, say that again? What branch of the service are you from? Are you a police officer? Oh, no. I'm uh, actually retired Sergeant E-5 uh, Army Reserve. Well, thank you very much for your service. Thank and you for we your appreciate service. everything you did. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I did a little 15-year tour. <laughs> wow. Yeah, little. Okay. Yeah. Other than that, I appreciate y'all. Y'all keep me going. Uh, Especially after retirement, now I can, you know, kind of see more Sunday games live, and uh, just y'all inspire me off season all the time. You know, I'm y'all very, very good at what y'all do. We, we appreciate you uh, for listening to us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarge.
right, thank you all, and uh, have a good year. Hey, you too, buddy, and, and don't be a stranger. You can call us again. Oh, yeah, we're here. It's free. Absolutely. <laughs> 201-939-4513. It's all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Let's go back to the phones. We have a couple open lines, folks, if you want to get in before John Ledyard at 1235. Scott in New Mexico. Scott, what's up? Hi, guys. What's up? Uh, question for you. There were two guys that you didn't mention uh, yep. that played in the senior bowl I wanted to get your impression of. One was uh, played right guard. His name was, I hope I get it right, Bo Benchoff from Wisconsin. Yes. And he looked pretty good uh, on the plays that I was looking at him. And then also uh, Nasir Adderley. At free safety, yeah, and I the Delaware to get kid. on both of those guys, where they might fall in the draft. Yeah, Adderley was an omission on my part. I talked to him, talked to Paul and Lance about him last week when yeah. I called in. He's a good player, mm -hmm. uh, and he is a free safety. So if that's a guy in the second round where the Giants think that he's worth the pick, I think he fits what they need at the free safety spot. He's someone I keep an eye on. I think he's a late one, early two type guy. Um, honestly, I was not impressed by Ben Shawal over the course of the week. Uh, to me, he's a round four type of guard. You know what okay. I liked about Adderley in the game when I watched the game? Yes. Uh, it was not too big for him in any way, shape, or no. form. And he is a great personality. Dan and I both talked to him um, while we were there. He is a great personality. What a great kid. Uh, very uh, in uh, on the field. He was energetic. He was assertive. He went after it. Looked like he was confident and knew what he was doing. Yep. It's, it's hard not to like a guy like that. You know, because those are all those intangibles. When a guy plays with confidence, you got a better chance of him bringing out the best of himself. Okay. <clears throat> My last point, uh, there was a lot of talk yesterday about Haskins and the uh, sixth-round pick. But there's going to be a lot of complications, I think, for the Giants to be able to get Haskins, in my opinion. There's a team right behind the Giants that desperately need a quarterback. And if they don't make a play for Nick Foles, uh, that's the Jacksonville Jaguars, mm -hmm. I think they're going to move up <clears throat> to try to get Haskins. Do you think the Giants would be in the same predicament if they really believe in Haskins that they'll have to move up in the draft to get him? Um, I believe that some... Hmm. Do I think Haskins will go before the Giants pick? I don't know yet, Scott. Okay. I think there's a chance. I don't have a good enough feel for the class yet to say yes or no. And Dan and I are going to sit down today. We're going to go. We're going to fish BBK. We're going to eat lunch. And then Dan and I are going to watch about three or four games of Haskins on on tape. <laughs> and then I tomorrow when I'm with Lance. Are you prepared to let him brainwash you? I'm, I'm not going to. Well, you should Dan, Dan's an Ohio State junkie. You, you should and he thinks that Haskins is better than Tom Brady he, already. He was sending me video via text yesterday after the show because he was annoyed with you. I know he was. <laughs> I just I just I just relayed to him the information I've been given by respectable and longtime NFL minds. Well he mocks And them. they're not big, they're not really high on Haskins. I have to but he, again, here's I what I will do. Here's See, what I will tell to you. me the funny thing about Haskins and I, and I and I know you haven't looked at him yet. No. Not in depth. No. He seems like a guy you would really like. I'm aware of that. I'm aware Big of that. Big kid, pocket passer, mm -hmm. accurate. He fits the profile. He he fits your profile. There's no question. And he doesn't like to run. Right? He hates to run. I know. I'm, I'm aware of that. You should love him. I'm aware of that. When I get dig deeper and dig into him, maybe I will feel differently. Just wait until the Giants draft Kyler Murray in the I'm, second round. I'm, oh, then, then no, that better never happen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to get – you think you're sick. How sick do you think I would be if they drafted him? Uh, here, here's what I will tell you, Scott. Uh, it, it's, it seems to me – and by the way, did you, see, did you guys see the report that came out within the last 24 hours? And I don't know how accurate it was. Uh, what, what report was that? One, one, of the, one of the reports came out. Uh, one of the, the leading media folks said that it looks like the Eagles will not retain Foles. Yeah, you I mean, see I'm, that? I'm not surprised by that. But no, I, I did not have. It was to the see first time I had seen something that was kind of decisive. Are they going to try to deal him or are they just not going to pick up They option? said that they did not have the ability to even do a sign and trade. They're going to wind up just letting him walk. Well, I mean, they could activate his option. They and have a $21 million player option, it, but they it, might not be able to fit that into the cap. The, yeah, the suggestion was they'll let him walk, and they'll probably wind up with a third-round compensatory the following year. That's not bad. That, that, was, that was the report that I saw. So it, if that, there's any truth to that, then Foles is going to be the premier QB on the free agent market. And, and obviously, you know, if you're the Jaguars, you're going to think about him. Right. Well, here, here's the rub, and I'll take this answer off the air. Uh, 
if the Giants don't make a play for Haskins this year, yes. and where and John, as you had already mentioned, the quarterbacks aren't really enthralling everybody, at least the ones that have declared for the draft. What plan do the Giants have at that point? And uh, thanks, guys, and I'll, I'll take your answers off here. You pick okay. one in the draft the next year. <laughs> I mean, I'm That's not. It. I mean, look, folks, you're not going to be. At least in my opinion, I'm not someone that's going to say I'm going to find my next quarterback in free agency. It just doesn't happen that often. Very rarely. I mean, and, I, and I'm not a Nick Foles guy. I'm not. Sorry. I, I got into a fight with somebody the other day on, on Twitter about that. I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm not a Foles guy. Now, maybe Shermer is, and he knows a hell of a lot more about this stuff than I he do. He does. And if he believes he in him, I'm not going to say, boy, I, I, he doesn't know what he's talking about because, you know, my infinitesimal knowledge about how to play quarterback in this league compared to his, which is a wealth of knowledge, is, is, is staggering. But I'm not a big Foles guy. I'm just not. Here's the thing, John. He's you know, very inconsistent. I think he needs a certain system in order to be successful. And I saw too many times when he did have to play, as many super high moments he had, he had a lot of low moments that a lot of people forget. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's very fair. Uh, but as you said, you know, Schumer not only knows more about the position than any one of us, he also happened to be there with Foles oh, in yeah, Philadelphia. He knows Foles really well, absolutely. He knows him as well as the back of his hand. Yes, sir. So if for some reason, and while I would not do this, if for some reason the Giants decide to make a play for Nick Foles, you know it's because Pat Shermer made a push for it. And he knows better than we do. Oh, much better. And so I would obviously acquiesce to that and say, okay, God bless. The Giants have good knowledge on this. They really believe in this. you got to let them go for it. Uh, I would suspect that's not going to be the case. But if they do, they've got good reason. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah, and that to me is the only guy in the free agent market. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is the other one. But I think there's a lot of caution with him, Who too. he knows, by the way, as well. Who, knows he, who he knows really well. Shermer, too. that is. So of the available free agents, Pat Shermer does have inside information on two of the guys that, that could potentially be available. So, But again, next year's quarterback class will also be a lot deeper if Tua comes out. Uh, Herbert from Oregon will be in the draft class next year. If Fromm comes out, you'll have a number of players that could be in the mix of quarterback. It's a lot easier to maneuver around to find your quarterback in a year when there's more than one than in a year like this when there's really only one surefire top 10 guy. Though, the more mock drafts I'm looking at, Paul, and I know it's way too early to take him seriously, I'm seeing Jones and Locke sneak into the top 15 in a lot of these drafts. I don't see it. I really don't, well, but people overdraft quarterbacks. That's how it goes. They reach. The quarterback position, by definition, prompts people to reach. No, I think Locke and Jones are fine as, as early second-round picks. I think they're fine, but I, I would not be picking them around 15. Let me just give you a, a quick sampling of quarterbacks who are going to be 32 years or under free agents at the end of this season. If you're worried about what the Giants might do going into 2020. So 32 or under. 32 or under, okay? Okay. You're looking at Case Keenum, uh, Russell Wilson. Um, and by my, the way, he also, Pat Shermer also has a wealth of knowledge about Case Keenum. He does. Yes. He does. Uh, I'm not going to mention some of the lesser guys. Uh, Carson Wentz, we don't know exactly what his situation is going to Russell be. Russell can't. Russell Wilson can't be an unrestricted free agent. It's uh, That's what it says. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Oh, 2020. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, I thought it was 2019. After this year. I, I bet. After okay. this year. I, yeah, after this year. So these are the kinds of guys who will be on the market. Uh, Wentz, we don't know how the Eagles are going to deal with him, but you would think, uh, depending upon his injury. Something tells me they'll you know, lock him up. You would probably. think so, right? Yes. And Dak Prescott. Uh, Prescott will be. Yes. Uh, other than that, uh, Mariota. From the Titans, decent. Um, I, I Prescott and Mariota, I have as, as very similar you know, players. Uh, Winston, I'm not a fan of, but he's a right. name. Yeah. Uh, Goff, believe it or not, is going to be. Yeah, well, and, and again, there's no way the Rams are going to let him go. They'll lock him and, up. And those are your better names. And well, and that's my point. Those guys aren't going to even become available. So no, I I think Case Keenum uh, of the of the guys who you probably Correct. could afford is the guy who makes the most sense of that group. And again, he's just a stopgap guy. Right. And he is, how old is Case Keenum? 32. And he is exactly 32. So he, he's, a, will he's be like a three-year guy. All right, 201-939-4513. One more call before we get to John Ledyard from the Draft Network. It's Coach Marvin in Delaware. Coach Marvin, what's up, pal? Hey, Coach. Welcome back, John. Thank you, Coach. Hey, how you doing, Paul? All good. How are you? I'm okay. Real quick, um, I agree with John. I'm not a, I, I mean, I'm in the Philly area, and, uh, I'm not a big Foles guy. I, I think Foles played average in the regular season, catches on fire in the playoffs, 
and he performed during the playoffs. And that's all he's his face his whole game is based on is the playoffs. I, I I didn't see much from him during the regular season, so I'm not a big fan of that. But I could throw a name to you if I don't know what you guys think about it, but uh, if the Raiders are really looking at getting rid of Carr, what do you think about Carr? David Carr. I am a Carr fan, however. Paul likes him more than I do. Yeah, I don't believe he's I don't believe he's up though. No, but the Raiders he has very little guaranteed money left on his contract. The Raiders could let him go if they wanted to. Let's see what his numbers are. Uh, briefly here. He is signed through 2022. Oh boy. So they 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 got a, a chunk of dead money they'd have to deal with, and it's not a ton though. Seven and a half dead money for a quarterback is not a lot. No, when, when you have a nineteen million dollar base salary, seven and a half dead is not a lot. So they could, if John Gruden wanted to move on from him, they could. Yeah, they right. could, they could, right. they could. Right. I would say right. this: you you certainly aren't going to trade for him though, because to trade for him and take the rest of this contract is not something you probably want to do. Well, I mean, look, it's, that's how much starting quarterbacks make. I know. I know. I just kind of the way it is now. I mean, Case Keenum's making yeah, well, that much money. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to throw his name out there that people probably want to keep his, you know, keep that out there. Well, um, see, the problem is, Marvin, one second. The problem is it, it's not so much even if you're taking this on, which is the going market rate for a decent QB. But to trade for him, you're going to have to give up picks plus then yeah. pay market value. Yeah. I would rather yeah, I that. just pay market I, I value that. without I, giving up the picks. Of course, right? I know that, and, and, and I man, I don't even know if I give him my, give them my number six pick for oh, him. Oh, absolutely but, not! Uh, no, <laughs> no way! No, 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 no! no, 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 no. You don't want to do that, Marvin. You don't want to do that. No, absolutely. The Raiders will ask for it, but you don't give that up. Mm-mm. Right? I, I, I told, I told that number two Adam throw it against the wall and see what they say. If they say no, then the answer is no. Uh, um, I wouldn't even. Yeah. Marvin, I thought I you were sticking with Eli for a year. What, wait a minute. Now you go. You're going about face on me. What? What was that for? I thought you were sticking with Eli for 19. Are you talking I about 20? Yes, yeah, I'm. I'm with Eli. I, I was just throwing Carr's name out there. I'm with you. I'm with Eli. Okay. But uh, if I did have to get a quarterback, I think I want him out of the draft, and I and I, and I think you, you got to work with what you have and what what these guys did right now. Haskins, the best thing they have that's out there, and I think three teams know that, and he's got to be on the Giants' radar at where they're picking because you got Jacksonville, and people don't they can't forget that Denver, Denver is still within reach of there, and they and if those three teams are fighting, somebody's gonna have to make a move to get them. It's what you want to sell to get them. If you want to give up something to get them, then you go get them. But if he's not worth giving up something for to get. Stay where you are and then take the best player you can take. Um, the other thing I had, uh, I'm a guy that likes to look at diamonds in the rough. I'm glad John looked at um, uh, Sutton uh, Smith. I mentioned him early in the year. I don't know if you guys remember. I do, actually, I Coach him. Marvin. I remember that, and that, I, I do. Right. I had him at 240, and you said 230. I, I don't know what what it would be like at 230. That's a little light. 238 I, I have him at. If he if he come into the combine at two forty, then I, I think in late rounds you can consider him. I, I think he is a diamond in the rough. Yeah, day three. Day three. I would I, I would think about that absolutely. Right. So I'm glad you you did mention his name because I talked to about him early in January that uh, he was a guy that I was looking at. But uh, uh, thanks again, guys. Thank John, you, Coach. Day. John, get better. I appreciate. All it. right, Marvin. All right, now we're going to get to our guest, brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prize. And that's our good buddy, John Ledyard, who I had a chance to talk to for about seven seconds in passing (laughs) out of the Senior Bowl as both of us were running around doing various stuff. And now he's very, very kind to join us on short notice here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Johnny, when did you get back from the Senior Bowl? I got back on uh, on thir- on Friday actually Friday afternoon I got back I don't I never stayed for the game I, one of these days I want to but by the time I was going to try and to and by the time you do both weeks back to back you just can't wait to get home and see the family a little bit so I don't know it might be a while before I make the game John you need to tell me the truth now Schmelk is complaining about the weather he says he's got to bring a hat and gloves and he's got to bring a warmer jacket is he wimping out on us or is there is it truly a rough deal. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, it wasn't great, that's for sure. But, you know, I'm from <laughs> Lounge, PA here. So, I mean, for me, it still felt nice. But, yeah, it was, we did a couple live broadcasts after the practices, and definitely was not ideal. I will give him that. Thank you, John. <laughs> I appreciate the support. You've been validated. Now, I, I have been validated. Uh, now, John, going into the combine, I mean, going into the senior bowl, rather, I was super excited about seeing the group of edge rushers that were there. Uh, Sweat, mm-hmm. Ferguson, Zimenez, go down the list. And to me, none of these guys did more than what I expected. And, and nobody rose, lift, lifted their game, showed me more than what I saw on the little bit of tape I watched, a couple games of each guy before I got there. Any of these edge rushers do anything for you, or did you actually downgrade some guys based on what you saw? Yeah, I was really excited to see the group, too, especially when Winovich and DeAndre Walker and Josh Allen were in the bunch. But when those guys dropped out, it definitely lost its luster for me. Uh, let's just talk on well, Montez Sweat for a second because I know he's kind of a common name that's cropped up a little bit and certainly fits some of the things that the Giants would probably look for in their edge defenders. But, you know, I just keep coming back to the fact that I don't think Montez Sweat has this great burst or speed up the arc or the bend and flexibility to corner at a high level. So if you're an edge passer from the NFL, I just think that is the yeah. primary track. You have to win on that outside edge track. And I just don't know that he does that. You know, he's a good football player. There's no doubt. You'd like to have Montez Sweat on your team. But, man, if we're talking top ten, you know, even first round to me, you got to be a guy I know that can win in the most primary way that an edge rusher wins in the NFL. And, I just don't know that he can do that. Actually, the guy that, that I agree with you on, Ferguson and Zimenez and, and Granderson and, and all those guys kind of getting a little bit of hype, the smaller score, non-Power 5 guys, I don't see it with any of those guys, to be honest. Um, you know, the guy that I think everybody should be talking about, and, and some buzz has started in his name, uh, especially after the game, Charles Amenehu from Texas. I think yeah. this guy had a great week. Um, I, I loved his tape, so I was really excited to see him in Mobile. I kind of thought that he would – he would put his stamp on the week and elevate his stock. During the week of practice, he was good, but not much hype around him. And then in the game, for anybody who watched, you know, they could clearly see him. And he was beating it basically every tackle he went up against, bull rushes, finding ways to corner, even though he doesn't have great bend. He knows how to shoulder dip and tilt a little bit. He can corner. I worry about that with Montez Sweat. I mean, Montez Sweat was erased in the game. Delton Reisner completely took him out in the game. Um, and so I think that, and many he was the one guy I came away from the week feeling really good about what I'd seen from his tape, what I saw from him uh, at the Combine in Mobile, or at, in Mobile, and then hopefully what I'll see from him at the Combine as well will kind of continue to reinforce that. I really liked L.J. Collier, too. Uh, you know, he isn't that mm-hmm. bendy, quick speed guy, but he's a guy that I think you can yeah. move into the three technique and passer situations. He has good power at 6'4", 275. I thought he had a real nice week. Yeah, he did, and I, he's a guy I have circled to go back to because on tape I watched three games, I think, um, and he plays in a rotation, so it was, I may need to – I had actually written in my notes I may need to come back and watch more if he impresses me in Mobile or at the Combine because you didn't get a great feel for him even off watching three games. Um, so, And I definitely am going to now because he graded out as a day three guy for me, and he may end up going day three, but I do think there's – he showed he can rush a little bit on the inside, and he's got really good hands. He's just not super flexible or yeah. traitsy, uh, but he's got good hands, and he, he showed the ability even on tape to win with his hands. I just didn't know if there was enough else to get excited about, but you're right. He had a good week in Mobile, and I'm definitely going to have to go back to the tape on him. You know, John, we've heard so much conversation how this is going to be a heavy defensive draft, especially in the first two or three rounds. And so many people, like John said, wanted to go down to see these All-Star games, whether it was the Shrine game or the Senior Bowl, and see some of these edge rushers really shine, and it didn't really happen. So my question to you is, should there be an alarm going off for a team such as the Giants that's seeking an edge rusher? Or is it simply put that there are a bunch of juniors, guys like Farrell from Clemson, the defensive end, who are terrific edge rushers, and they just weren't eligible here. So there's still going to be a plethora of edge rushers that can tickle your fancy in the first two rounds. They just didn't show up at these senior games. Right. I think that's the way to look at it for sure. Now, you have to think about two things. You know, you think about the, some of the guys that were invited to the game and were going to play in the game and then dropped out. You know, I mean, um, Chase Winovich, DeAndre Walker, and uh, we said Josh Allen, obviously, too. But Christian Miller, also from Alabama, I really like him on tape. I think he's a top 100 prospect. So there's there's stuff to like about all these guys, I think, still, and even some of the seniors who didn't end up playing in the game. Um, I just think, yeah, most of the ones that ended up playing this week weren't super impressive and weren't guys I would seek 
in those in those middle rounds even of the draft. But yeah, I, I think that still, if you're not going to take one top ten, you have to be prepared because it is such a valued position in the NFL for a good number of guys that come off the board, you probably have one or two off the board, maybe even three off the board before your first pick. If you stay pat, um, you know, probably two. And then after that, it wouldn't surprise me to see four or five more before the Giants pick again. So you have to think about that when you're thinking about moving around and and, and stuff like that Uh, in the draft. I think you have to consider the fact that this is a highly valued position. And if you wait until your second round pick, you may not get one of the top six guys on the board for most teams. Now, you may have a guy on your board that you feel like is is going to be there that you're higher on than some of the bigger names. So maybe then it's a good strategy. But but yeah, I do think that you're going to miss out on some of the top talent if you wait. Um, that's always part of the adventure, I guess, of drafting, and it'll be part of the adventure of figuring out what they do this off season because there's an inordinate number of good edge rushers that could hit the market and free agency. There's going to be considerations with all of them, of course, age and value and things like that and what they're asking for. And, of course, some will get tagged. But right now it does look like a decent crop in free agency. So that could also be the avenue that answers some questions for the Giants and doesn't put quite as big an onus on taking one early in the draft. Well, there's no question, John. We've got to go through free agency. And then, obviously, there's the combine, too. So this question is going to be asked multiple times by me over the course of the next couple of months. But... I really believe that the odds are very good that Dave Gettleman is going to trade up to get another pick somewhere in the top 100. In fact, I'm even going further now. I'm believing he's going to make a move to get up into the top 75. He's got a first rounder. He's got a second rounder. And then because of what they did by drafting Beal in the supplemental last year, he doesn't have a third round pick. So he doesn't get to call out a name again until the fourth round. I don't see that happening. I think based on what they need, the defensive crop that we're talking about in the top three rounds and maybe the offensive tackles that can that can be found in rounds two and three, I think he's got to get another pick in the top 75. Would you agree? I think, you, I think yes, that's a definite possibility. If you look at the Giants' defense, they need to rebuild so badly. Uh, so many key spots on that defense and that's up in the air what's going to happen with Landon Collins in the offseason too. So, I mean, I think that, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They need more picks. I think he's going to recognize that. I think he's going to want to make a move like that. And honestly, the interesting thing is them sitting at number six, you know, with, with several needs, obviously, but you know, let's say Denver wants to jump up over Jacksonville and get a quarterback, or let's say, uh, let's say that Miami wants to jump up and get a quarterback too. You know, I think those options, Washington, you know, uh, you know, whether they trade within the division or not remains to be seen, but you know, you're going to get assets, you know, from, from those teams. Uh, to make a leap like that, you know, Miami doesn't have a quarterback, period. They just don't have one. So <laughs> they, they're they're going to need mm. to get one, you know, and I think that the draft obviously kind of makes some sense as a range to be able to do that. And if you want to ensure you get your guy, you get up over the other quarterback needy team. So, you know, if, if you're the Giants, that could be a really desirable spot to land in. You know, that spot in Tampa Bay spot at number five, you know, are probably going to be, if somebody's jumping for a quarterback, they're going to want to get over Jacksonville, I'm sure. So, you know, mm. that could be a spot that teams want to move to, and that could and lend itself really nicely. Let's say they bump back to 10. You know, they could still get Cody Ford there. They could still get the exact player they targeted at six and add a couple more picks along the process. So I think you're going to see a lot of moving uh, by, by a couple teams for if the quarterback needy teams kind of stay in place and still need one by the time things roll around for the draft. I mean, you could, you, Miami could move up and they could be a 13 and you could still see a quality offensive tackle going to be on the board there. So there's definitely a lot of options that I agree with you. I think moving back is a real part of the Giants' plans as long as the, the landscape kind of stays the way that it does at quarterback. We're joined by John Lediard. He's from thedraftnetwork.com. John Kyle Krabs, who we've heard on the show before, and a couple other guys launched the Draft Network back in August. And guys, I'm telling you, uh, there's more draft content on this site than you'll find anywhere else in one place. It's thedraftnetwork.com, and John's one of the contributors. Uh, I want to stick on the Senior Bowl, John, before I hit some general draft stuff. I know you and Dalton Reisner listed as, as one of your uh, big performers of the week, and I agree. I think he played well. I'm still not positive he has the feet to be an offensive tackle in the pros. Do you see him as a tackle? Or do you see him as a guard? You know, it's it's a great question. I think that he, I would like to see him a tackle until he doesn't succeed a tackle, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, know, that's I, fair. I absolutely. Really the opinion and Trevor Sickman and I, my co-host on Locked On NFL Draft, we, we kind of joke around about this, but you're pretty much a tackle until you're a guard in our minds. You know, some guys become a guard in college, and that's sure. the clearest player they're a guard. For some guys, it happens. They're a tackle, and they go to the NFL, and it's pretty clear 
right off the bat, you know, in training camp, they're a guard. Um, some guys, they try to guard for a couple of years and they end up moving inside. Some guys try to tackle and, or try to tackle and end up moving inside. Some guys stick there at tackle. So I think that's kind of the process I like to go through uh, with a lot of these guys. Rising's tape is good enough uh, at tackle. First day of practice, I wasn't so sure. Then after that, he really found himself. And he did. The set points were better. And, you know, I think he really, really improved. He was outstanding in the game. I mean, and watching him against Montez Sweat, both in the regular season when the two teams played and then in the game, I mean, he just handled him. Uh, so if people are high on Sweat, I feel like they got to give Reisner at least a shot at, at tackle. And I think he's done some really, really good things on tape. I'd love to see him get a shot at right tackle. Um, I think he can definitely play there, at least in spurts in the NFL. But, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a really solid player, a guard. Uh, if they move him in there, there's some talk that he may even be at center. Um, he is highly, highly competitive. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> almost to a crazy level. <laughs> he will chirp and he will talk, and he plays every snap a 1,000 miles an hour. And so, I mean, he is, he's the kind of guy you want on your team. I absolutely think the Giants will be attracted to, to his skill set. Not that high in the draft, probably, but he's sitting there in the second round. I definitely feel like if they haven't addressed offensive line he's a he's a guy that they could think about adding to the roster we uh we had talked about a couple of other tackles uh, during the course of the conversation john before you came on and, and dillard and mcgarry uh your thoughts on those two guys how much they showed you during the course of the week yeah dillard is interesting it's going to be the whole caleb mcgarry or, uh sorry not caleb mcgarry Colton miller conversation in some ways all over again clearly unbelievable traits you know, people were already kind of frothing at the mouth over him. We're just going through drills on air at the beginning of the scene. I was looking at my phone. I'm like, man, they haven't even gone up against anybody yet. And already are people talking about Dillard <laughs> elevating themselves to the first round. I'm like, we're 10 minutes into the first practice. <laughs> and so it was just, people just watching him move kind of like lost themselves. And it happens every year with offensive tackles, right? They love these big guys who can move. But the reality is when you put on Dillard's tape, and even when you watched him in the game, I mean, the game he got beat a couple times. In practice in the 1v1s, even that first day, he got beat a couple times. You know, his, his biggest issue is finding kind of the proper range in his set points. Um, I watched an interview with him uh, with, with Eric Turner, over cover one who covers the Bills, and one of the things he said in the interview was, I just started doing different pass sets this past season, his final season at Washington, his senior year. He really had never done anything different with his pass sets. So his footwork is still really coming along in terms of establishing that half-man relationship with opposing edge rushers and kind of getting first contact and winning his hands are late sometimes. So he's really kind of a project to build on. Um, you know, there are certain teams that you can definitely say, oh, I know they're going to be like, they're going to like him because they love athletic offensive tackles and they feel like they can ad- address the rest and <laughs> develop the rest of the player. And I just, I think that that's easier said than done. There are certain landing spots I feel really good about Dillard. There are certain landing spots I would be, I would be a little bit skeptical and scared about, uh, you know, what he, he might become in the NFL because, Power really does give him issues, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of really good edge rushers in the NFL with their hands. So that's kind of my thoughts on Dillard. But for McGarry, he actually had a pretty decent week. I felt like yeah, me too. On tape, I thought this guy was definitely a guard. You know, I I thought that he just struggled to reach those set points. Speed really gave him issues. Um, I think that even if you watch the one-on-ones the last day, guys started trying to beat him around the edge, and he really just didn't have the footwork to kind of get back there on the last day of practice. And so I think that um, I, I, he is a mauler when he gets a guy right. You know, he's buried mm-hmm. a couple people on his tape, but then at the same time, he plays so high, he'll lose leverage Bingo. a lot of time and fall off block. So I, I didn't love his tape, to be honest. I think he might have a better career at guard in the NFL, but he is really physical, and if he grips you up, I mean, his hands, he knocked a bunch of guys on the backside uh, during Mobile, and so I was impressed by that. But I thought he had a pretty decent week for himself, honestly. But his tape, I have a lot more concerns about. We're joined by John Ledyard from the Draft Network. John, just want to ask about two other things in the Senior Bowl, and then we'll do a couple general draft things with you here. Uh, Nasir Adderley, uh, a guy who, you know, that single high free safety is really becoming a unicorn in the NFL. Everybody needs him. Everyone wants to play that cover three, but few teams actually have the player that can play that single high safety role. Is that how you see him at the NFL level? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the best spot for him. I came into the week thinking he was really, really versatile and because he had played corner early in his Delaware yeah. career. And then they put him in man coverage the whole week, and I thought the results were pretty mixed. I mean, not, not didn't do great against wide receivers, I think the athleticism is there. I just don't think technically his footwork's where it needs to be Agreed. to play a lot of man in the slot right away. So a good play. I mean, he's, his tape at safety is just awesome. I know it's FCS-level competition, but 
They got, you can just tell the guy's a freak athlete. He goes up and gets the ball. He has unbelievable ball skills, has made some insane interceptions during his career at Delaware. He can absolutely run. I think he's going to run the four fours, to be honest. Um, his size, as people talk about, is an issue. I don't, I mean, he is built. Uh, there was no quote. When he walked out on the stage for the weigh ins, I was like, this guy is built, man. Like, he, <laughs> he know, he, he's clearly spent some time in the weight room. So um, I, I don't really get worried about that aspect of his evaluation. He's super physical. Um, the only thing he has man coverage, and I wrote down in my notes when I did his report that that was kind of the big question because he didn't see him in man coverage the last two years at Delaware. He liked his traits, but he didn't really see him there. I still like his traits. I think he can develop in that way. He did a pretty good job against tight ends uh, this past week in Mobile. But yeah. in zone coverage, when they had him back, yeah, that's when you really saw the traits shine. And um, I thought I think he does a really nice job there. And I mean, you, you can for me, he's the top safety in this class. And um, I know it's not maybe the greatest safety class, but. I don't know whether he'll be a first-round pick or not just because of the small school thing, but if he played at a Power 5 school, he would be a locked top 20 pick in my opinion. Uh, John, final thing for me on the Senior Bowl, wide receivers. Uh, I didn't have any expectations for the groups when I got out there, but I saw some things that actually pretty that, that, that impressed me. I thought Samuel played well. I thought McLaren from uh, Ohio State really helped himself. And then you had the two smaller guys, uh, Penny Harden and the Isabella, I thought showed that they can separate as well as anybody. What do you think of the wide receiver group? Yeah, such a good group, man. It was really a fun group. This wide receiver class in general, you know, people are kind of looking for like a couple Calvin Johnsons or something, and you're just not going to get that. I mean, maybe next year's wide receiver class you'll get that. That group's going to be insane. But this year's class, I mean, I think it's just so good. It's so deep. There's so many different options for different types of players that you can find. Uh, I mean, almost every receiver in Mobile, I think, is going to play at the NFL level, and I think the majority of them can be a top three receiver. Uh, for a team in the NFL. I really like the group. You mentioned you know, four of the top guys I thought that stood out. The other guy I'd add to the list, Jacoby Myers from NC State, kind mm-hmm. of a big slot type, uh, really quick feet, uh, good footwork. He's converted quarterback who's playing wide receiver, who's been a wide receiver. This is his third year, I think, at the position. And he he was such a good player for NC State this past season, chain mover in a possession role underneath that didn't go vertical very often. But almost every time he went down the field, corners, posts, or vertical routes, or just nine routes. You know, this guy made plays on the ball. He, he found the football. He adjusted outside his frame. He elevated over contact. So I just, I think his skill set is really, really fun. Um, I thought he just absolutely shredded Amani Oruorie, uh the first day, who a lot of people had as the top corner in Mobile. And um, I think he's put some really good stuff together on tapes, too. So I think he's going to sneak into day two, and he's going to be a really solid pick for a team. Well, we've got about a month or so till the Combine, John, and we'll certainly see you out there. Let me ask you this. Are there two or three guys who you didn't get a chance to look at over the course of the last couple of weeks at the Shrine Game or, or at the Senior Bowl who you really, really need to get a good look at at the Combine because you just aren't sure exactly where you want to grade them? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's always a couple guys like that. I feel like every single year I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's, I mean, two, two guys that kind of stood out to me recently. Well, at the Senior Bowl, actually, that I'm like, man, I need to watch these guys. I need to watch their tape more. I need to see how they test. You know, Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky. I watched Kentucky live a lot this season because I was covering the SEC for our site. And I just, I did, I thought he was a good athlete. I didn't think he was great or anything. And, um, you know, I think that his tape really left a ton to be desired. He hardly made any plays on the ball. Uh, during his time at Kentucky. So uh, I, I liked a lot of what he showed, though, in Mobile. I thought that he played really, really well. He used his length to contest windows and, and kept kept himself squared and flipped too early and uh, was able to mirror receivers for the most part. So I was impressed with him in Mobile. i got to go back to the tape. I think he recently said in an interview that he's 100% certain he's going to go in the first round. <laughs> that would be a surprise <laughs> to a lot of folks, but I like the confidence anyway. So he's one I have to watch. And then Eric McCoy, I guess the, the the testing is less important, maybe to combine that part of the testing, the center for Texas A&M. But at the senior bowl, he really stood out to me, really good player, maybe have some guard center versatility. Um, but, yeah, he, he was he was tough, man. Guys couldn't move him. Uh, they couldn't get by him. He was super, super physical. Um, so I really liked what I saw from him. I did not see much of him during the season. So I've definitely got to get to more of his tape. And I am interested to see how he moves in the drills, at least, at the combine and, and try and get a good look at him there because – his mobility and athleticism probably will be the question mark, but certainly seemed pretty functional in that area uh, from what he saw, I saw in Mobile. John, I haven't seen, and we're joined by John Ledyard from the Draft Network next a few more minutes. I haven't seen this much disagreement on the top of an offensive tackle class in a while. Some people I know mm-hmm. of, John Williams is a top 10 guy. Other people mm-hmm. have him as a second-round guy. Uh, some people think the 
little kid is going to be a great player. Some people have him as a second-round guy. Where, how do you see the top of the class at offensive tackle here? And, and how good is the group? Where do you think they're going to fall in that first round? Yeah, it's a super talented group. There's no denying that part, I think. it's it's In terms of raw talent, I mean, Little and Jawan Taylor and uh, Cody Ford and um, you know, Jonah Williams, you mentioned, probably the most polished guy. And I think some of it is people you know, just try, trying to find something new, I think, at this point. And we saw guys that stood out like Dillard and Chuma Idoga from USC were really good. Uh, Chuma Idoga was really good uh, at, the, at the Senior Bowl as well. You know, Yanni Kajus from West Virginia, David Edwards from Wisconsin. I mean, it's such a talented group. We haven't even gotten to McGarry and Titus Howard. Um, and uh, and I think Dennis Daly from South Carolina could be a mid-round pick that develops into a starter. So there are just so many talented players in this class. The problem is not many finished products, which is honestly becoming kind of the norm when you comes out when they, these guys uh-huh. come out of college. So I think it's about finding the traits that you really like, the mental processing and kind of above the neck type of uh, of mentality that you really like and trying to make the most out of whatever skill set you get, you know, with a lot of these guys. So um, I think Jonah Williams is the surest thing of the group for sure. At one position or another, he's going to be a stud. I really, really like Cody Ford. I think he can be a right tackle in the NFL. Um, Even if not there, he's going to be a dominant guard on the inside. So I feel really good about those two. The guys who are inconsistent are Jawan Taylor, who has brilliant flashes, uh, and Greg Little is kind of just all up and down. I don't think he's, his highs are as high as Jawan Taylor's, um, so I might be tempted to end up having Taylor higher. But Little has this pedigree, and you know he got better this past season, but there's still so much to work on. You know, There's still some reps that really concern you with him. So it is honestly going to be so much about landing spot for all these guys, You know where they end up. Who develops them? We've seen, you know, players that we didn't think were going to be. You know, Jack Conklin was an example of a player that Tennessee brought along really nicely over his first couple of years and helped him along and gave him lots of help in pass protection. He had all kinds of technical flaws on tape, but he was decently he was athletic enough to make the position work, um, and he he wanted it. Guy was super super physical and super aggressive and hardworking. So, you know, it's about finding that combination of traits. I think with a lot of these guys that you can build on and then getting the coaching and the scheme around them to help make the most of what they do offer on tape. John, this may be more of a curiosity than a legitimate question because, you know, John has said to me many times, and we've had this conversation, that, you know, these college programs with the three-point stance and all the things that they're doing with their spreads and they're not running power running games. And obviously the NFL coaches are like, well, we got to translate this into our game. It's a big deal. But is it also a big deal to project if a guy is going to as well not only learn the skills that he needs to play tackle in the NFL, but also if he's got to play right tackle instead of left tackle? Because now you're talking about not only learning the pro game, but you're also turning about talking about, in some cases, swapping sides. And I just wonder how much of a, how much of a projection do you have to do when you're looking at a guy like that? For example, the Giants have Nate Solder, who's getting a lot of money to play left tackle. So if the Giants want to draft a tackle, are they looking perhaps at a left tackle who they need to convert to right tackle when he gets to East Rutherford? Good question. Or are they looking at a guy who's played right tackle in college because that's where he's comfortable? Right. I, I wish there was an easy answer to this because it would help me so much as an evaluator. Okay, see? So, so my curiosity is actually warranted. <laughs> Right. Oh, very warranted. Yeah, and I think it's something that a lot of these NFL teams have to go through. You know, let's look at Cody Ford, for example. The experience is there at right tackle. Clearly, he's played some inside. I think traits-wise, I mean, here's the thing. The difference between playing right and left tackle is there isn't one in today's NFL. You know, you're you're arguably going to face tougher assignments at right tackle yep. than you will left tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, the day and age of, oh, the quarterback can see it coming. Well, that doesn't help you any. You know, he can see it coming. He's just going <laughs> right. to be more skittish in the pocket. So, really, in terms of, you know, there is just no difference between, you know, right tackle should be paid the same as left tackles in my mind. I know some teams think that they, they need a little bit more of a run-heavy guy at right tackle, depending on their scheme. That may be true. You know, maybe there are certain schemes that are built like that, but, Honestly, in my opinion, I just think you need two good tackles, period. And so, yes, with some of these guys, I have no idea how they'll do because sometimes when you switch them sides, they're going with a, with a different foot. It's completely different forward. It's completely different handwork. You can ask any of these guys, and they'll say it's very different. So what most of these guys do is they'll train at both sides. 
uh, they'll try and work at both sides. In fact, that was something Dillard said uh, that talked about in that interview I mentioned that his training was he was training on the right and left side so that he could show that versatility in NFL I team. So. I think that's something a lot of these guys will do. But again, you're only getting a look at some of these guys who have never played on a different side than where they're playing uh, this past season. So teams will look at both tape, I'm sure. You know, but a guy might have played left tackle early in his career and then. You know, right tackle later. So yeah, the safe bet is to take a guy who looks great at right tackle. Because <laughs> Solders, you know, playing playing well at left tackle, but he won't last forever. And you would love to find a guy that can maybe do a little bit of both and, and switch sides. But it's a lot easier said than done. And I think finding the side that the player is most comfortable at, where the player is at their best, that is kind of the goal in my mind. So I, you know, that's where I would I would like to see teams evaluate guys in that way. But I understand that isn't always the case. They have a need at a certain position, and so. They draft the best tackle on the board, and maybe that means that the guys switch sides. And at that point, it really it it's, it leans heavily on coaching and the player's natural ability and how easy it is for him to kind of be ambidextrous in that way and then switch sides and still feel comfortable with a different dominant hand and a different dominant foot. John, final question, and I buried the lead. This is how you keep people tuned in by not asking about the quarterbacks first and waiting for last. So, <laughs> so here it comes. Uh, you can touch on the senior bowl guys if you like to me. Uh, and I know quarterbacks get overdrafted. I'm not sure I would take any of the senior bowl guys uh, in the first round. I know I'm sure they will. I'm not sure I would do it. Um, how high do you guys have Haskins ahead of those players? How good do you think Haskins is going to be? And then Kyler Murray, just give me your long-winded wrap-up of the quarterback class and, and kind of where you think you have these guys with obviously uh, a lot of work still to do before teams have to make these decisions. Yeah, I would be pretty surprised if Haskins and Murray weren't my top two quarterbacks. I'm with you. None of the senior bowl guys deserve to be first-round picks. Drew Locke will be. Uh, I don't think Daniel Jones is the lock to be a first-round pick that many other people uh, think that he is. But, uh, yeah, I think that you're going to see Drew Locke go in the, in the first round while, while Daniel Jones kind of, you know, watch out for the Raiders at the back end of the first. But I don't know that he's as coveted as we've kind of mm-hmm. – the, the, the narrative has, has suggested anyway. But with Murray – I mean, yeah, it would be shocking to me to see a traditional team, you know, a team with a kind of, I mean, you can say old school, right? Old school general manager. I mean, that's clearly what we have here. Gaston running back number two, you know, builds on, builds on the lines first. You know, he, that, that type of mindset sure. to, to take in a, you know, in a, in a guy that's been a head coach for a long time in Shermer, different spots to take a, a, a Kyler Murray, you know, really it's completely innovative and, and creative move that would honestly set a new precedent for the NFL and how they evaluate quarterbacks. I mean, we've never even had a guy this small in the conversation in round one, um, you know, let alone the fact he's a one-year starter from the Big 12 where they play no defense uh, from a system that's fairly quarterback-friendly. I know Baker did a lot with it. Obviously, him going number one helps. But, yeah, I still think that that would be a crazy evaluation to see the NFL be you know, top 10 high on him, like we've seen suggested some places. So I'll push back a little bit on that and say I think Kyler Murray's a really interesting player. Uh, he is incredibly athletic and has an incredible arm, but um, it's going to take a lot of tape study for me to kind of look at him and, and say, this is a guy I want to want to stake my franchise to and, and take that risk with. I'm just not sure um, he's that caliber of a player at this point in his career, and his development will certainly matter. I don't really see the Giants being a, being a team that's interested in him. Um, there will be some teams, but I don't think they'll be one of them. I think they will be interested in Dwayne Haskins to a degree. At least they'll do their homework. I think they've been pretty adamant about Eli Manning, obviously, but let's say for argument's sake that they want to move in the direction of a quarterback. You know, Haskins, to me, is the one that makes the most sense. Um, might make sense to play up their interest in him just to drive up co- uh, you know, the cost for that spot uh, mm-hmm. if the team wants to trade up to try and get there. So um, I-, I think at the very least we'll see some smoke screens about Haskins and the Giants, but he also fits Pat Shermer's offense. He does. You know, he makes a lot of sense. You know, they can – he can distribute the ball short to intermediate, and he has the tools at least to be able to get shots down the field when you need it. I didn't think he was a very good vertical ball passer at Ohio State, but um, he's pretty accurate short to intermediate. There are issues against pressure, you know, so that's going to be a concern. But I think there's enough skills there to say this is. I would be surprised if Haskins isn't the first quarterback off the board. Yeah, John, real quick, I was talking to the guys over at Pro Football Focus. The one big knock they had on Haskins was that they didn't think he handled pressure that well in terms of pass pressure yeah. in the pocket, and that he, he kind of struggled a little bit once he had some guys in his face. Did you see that, too, in the tape that you watched? Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's something that comes, you know, as you grow as a quarterback, one-year starter, it's going to make it hard to know how much to how much stock to put in that for Haskins. 
but no question, this past year on tape, that was a concern with him. And how he handles pressure, being somebody who isn't a great athlete, how he handles pressure is going to be really big in sure. his evaluation and whether teams feel like he can grow in that area. I've got one final quick one for you, John, and that is mm-hmm. for all these folks who continue to beat the drum for a quarterback and saying the Giants have to take Haskins at six, where would he have been if he was in last year's quarterback class where we saw five first-round picks taken uh, on a quarterback? I'll be honest with you. I got a 40-year veteran personnel guy who said to me, value-wise, Haskins a mid-second rounder for me in terms of his true value, but he'll be drafted in the first round. But he's a mid-second round yeah. value because I don't think there's enough there to make him a blue-chip first-round prospect. That's what he said to me. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it is because he, you know, he doesn't want me to tell anybody. But that's what, I'm, that's what I've been told. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree with him. I think he's absolutely right. I think you know, in a vacuum, that's probably where my grade on Haskins will be. But you're right. The, the value of the position of quarterback will drive these guys up the board. And, you know, Haskins will get driven up the board just because of the value of the position of quarterback and the need and the fact that he's the best option available. So, yeah, I would honestly, as much as I was Giants should take a quarterback last year, at this point for the Giants, you know, I would honestly probably build up the rest of the roster and get the rest of the roster in shape and, and go select the quarterback in next year's class uh, when the crop looks a little bit better because if you take one that high, you're tying yourself to him. You're tying your franchise to him. And um, I don't know that I feel – I don't feel that strong. I know I don't feel that strongly about Haskins to make a move like that. You know, he's a good player, but is he going to be a transcendent player that can carry your team, you know, your carry your franchise to the next level? Uh, I don't think so. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that – Waiting it out is probably the best strategy. And, 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 and comparing him to last year's class, I would probably have had him QB4 behind Rosen and Baker and and, and Darnold. Um, I would have probably had him QB4, and you could certainly make the argument Josh Allen's tools are a lot better. And, and I know Allen did some decent things this past season, but you know, Tate Paskin's the better player, and I probably have have been a little bit wary of taking a risk on Allen where, you know, where Haskins would have felt like a safer option to me, but still probably QB4 when you compare him to last year's group. John, good stuff. Tell the folks about the draftnetwork.com. I know you guys have a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pike. Yeah, absolutely. February 25th, uh, it's the Monday of the Senior Bowl, uh, or uh, Combine Week. We're uh, launching, kind of relaunching the whole site. It's going to look different. It's going to be a million times better. It's going to look a million times better, and we're going to have mock draft machine and build your own big board. There are going to be features. You can go in, you can mock draft for whatever team you want. The full simulator, you can draft all seven rounds. It's going to be really aesthetically pleasing. You're going to be able to click on players' names and get slide outs and full scouting reports and notes and things like that. Uh, And then the build your own big board, you're going to be able to go in, you can make your own big board, you can make positional big boards if you want, positional boards, stack your position rankings, you can save them all under your name, just a real quick profile and everything, and uh, it's all for free. And you know, you can, people are going to be able to go in and use that and save it, come back to it, alter it, uh, do all kinds of stuff with it uh, throughout the draft process. So those interactive tools plus all the content you're getting right now, it's going to be going to be fun time over at the Draft Network on February 25th. You know, John, I already popped you guys on Twitter last week. I know you saw it. I think your site is outstanding. I absolutely love it. I recommend it to everybody. And if you're going to make it better, well, the sky's the limit. So we wish you the best of luck with it. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much. Really appreciate those shout-outs. You guys have always been great to us, but we definitely appreciate the support. Thanks, John. We'll see you at the Combine. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Uh, John Ledyard from the DraftNetwork.com. And again, guys, go to the website. Uh, look, everyone disagrees on take sometimes, and you might be like, ah, I think that's stupid ranking, whatever. But these guys do the work. This is their job, full-time job, and they do a real good job of it. So there's a ton of draft content. You know what I like about it, John? They have a number of guys who are their analysts. And so, like, you'll go to a prospect, and there'll be two or three different scouting reports from Correct. their scouts so that you can read the differing opinions. So you'll get maybe some strengths, some weaknesses, different opinions, different perspectives, right. and I think it's important. And that is very important and they because have you can't just listen to one guy. And they have multiple big boards and mock drafts from the different contributors, so you see how, and they're all, all very different. Like, they have disagreements on some guys like some well, guys, some guys like tomato, others. And, tomato, <laughs> right? I mean, ketchup, ketchup. it's the same type of arguments we have here on the air. Exactly. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I really like it. And anyway. John just went up how many levels in your book because of his opinion on Haskins? He was already very high. Although he kind of dissed Josh Allen a little bit. You know, that was my guy last year, but I know. it's okay. But you know what? I'm not taking your opinion on Haskins yet, seriously, until you watch him. I, I've made that clear. I know. I that, haven't done the, the shovel work I know yet. You I'm simply relaying information, which is coming from very respectable people. I understand. So I'm not going to take you seriously, though, until you, That's fine. until you put eyes on him. That's fine. When are you going to put eyes on him? 
Probably sometime the next week. I got to start right, cracking down. I look forward to it. Paulie, good stuff. Okay. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks to John Ledyard from the Draft Network. It's me and Meadow tomorrow on Giants.com. Big Blue Kickoff Live returns at noon. For Dan Salomon and Paul Tatino, I'm John Schmelk. It was all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes right here on Giants.com. We'll see you tomorrow.